good morning, everybody, and Merry Christmas on this Christmas Eve. It's kind of wild. I, I was thinking uh, last year would have been my, my first Christmas Eve here, and I don't know if you remember, but we had freezing rain and snow and sub-zero temperatures, and going out on the road wasn't exactly advisable. So this is my first Christmas Eve <laughs> to be able to be here with you all, so... Uh, if you don't know me or I don't know you, my name's Tim, and I'm the lead minister here at Markle Church of Christ, and I have the esteemed honor and privilege of being able to uh, do what I'm about to do now, uh, amongst other things, and uh, to get into the Word of God, uh, the Scriptures, and to celebrate the birth of Jesus on this Christmas Eve as we await Christmas morning, and I'm just glad to be able to do that. Um, my family, we, we actually just got back yesterday evening from Cincinnati, and uh, it was nice. We got to spend time with my parents who stayed at the night, stayed the night there, got to visit my brother and his family in New Home, and got to see aunts and uncles that I'm pretty sure we haven't seen for like two years. So it was, it felt like a reunion sort of situation, and uh, it, it I, I experienced in that time the highs and the lows. My brother lives off of a uh, off of a street that is off of a main road. That had we not gone onto the very main road and gone straight through a light, I could have gone to my my buddy A. a. Ron's house. And so I was like overjoyed to see my family, but then like. Oh, if it wasn't so late at night, I could just go barge into their home and see them. Uh, but another time. But you know, this season, you know, talking about highs and lows, as I've mentioned multiple times, this season brings about highs and lows because in reality, we go through highs and lows in life. And, you know, even reflecting on the year that was, I don't know about you, but personally, and for many of you, because I know what you've gone through and your highs and lows. We experience highs and lows. And so even being back at home and experiencing the emotional high of being around family and the lows of realizing you can't see everybody all at once, I know this season brings about that. And it's funny because I read an article this week that uh, someone wrote, it was an opinion piece about the fact that we as a people since about 2004 have struggled to just have fun. Uh, because, like, literally everything in life has to be manufactured. There's so much consumerism, consumerism. There's so much comparison that we struggle to have fun, and we feel like we have to have fun, so we have to force fun and make everybody else think that we're having fun when we're really stressed out and depressed inside. And as I read this article, I thought about my favorite Christmas movie since we talked about that briefly last week. But my favorite Christmas movie isn't a movie. It's a television special. It's a Charlie Brown Christmas, which I think came out in 1965. For the record, I was born in 1984, so I inherited it. I'm young to some and old to others. It's okay. And a Charlie Brown Christmas, really, it's funny, you, you, you watch this special from 1965 and you realize times haven't changed that much. Because the whole premise of the show is that Charlie Brown is not feeling the Christmas season. And he doesn't know why. 
He's beside himself. And he, he at first is talking to Linus and says, I just can't get into it. And Linus tries to give him advice. And then he goes to Lucy's psych help booth, which she probably shouldn't be running. And he talks to, he talks to her and she can't really help him. She goes through all the phobias and says, oh, I got an idea. Why don't you be the director of the Christmas play? That'll help. So Charlie Brown decides, well, okay, I'll try that out. And he gets there, and by the way, on his way, he finds out even his dog, Snoopy, has succumbed to the consumerism of the day. He tries to win a light display with his doghouse. Do you remember that scene? Anyway. So he gets to this Christmas play, and he's like, okay, I'll direct a Christmas play. That'll bring about the season. And then he realizes that all the other kids that are part of this production want this big, overblown, flashy Christmas. And it culminates when Lucy says, hey, Charlie, I think we need an aluminum, flashy pink Christmas tree. So he sends Char- she sends Charlie Brown to go get the Christmas tree. And Charlie's looking at all these fake trees. And there's this one tree. This one real tree. But this one very lowly, nearly dead, falling apart Christmas tree. And for some reason, Charlie Brown is drawn to it. And he picks that tree, even though Linus says, I'm not so sure this is a good idea. And he's lambasted for bringing this tree to the production. And so he takes it, and he goes home, and he adorns it with lights and a few ornaments. And it turns out that this lowly tree becomes a magnificent tree. And the kids all come around and they sing and it ends up being a wonderful ending. And so Charlie Brown has been trying this whole show to figure out the meaning of Christmas. But the, the pivotal moment that changes things, which I have to confess when I was really little was the part that I started to tune out for, but I actually like now, is when Linus, after Charlie says, hey, can you, can somebody tell me the meaning of Christmas? And Linus, who, by the way, is playing a shepherd in the production, says, oh, sure, I can tell you, Charlie Brown. And he comes out and he reads, well, he doesn't read, he recites a story that we're going to look at today from the Gospel of Luke. And after he tells the story, he says, Charlie, that's what the meaning of Christmas is all about. And so really, you know, I don't know if you've ever thought this deeply about a 30-minute special, but really... Charlie Brown Christmas, the world that Charlie Brown is occupying that's overrun by consumerism, that wants the flashiness, that wants to, that wants to tell you how things should be, so much so that it makes you feel low, that it makes you feel less than, that it makes you feel like you can't measure up. And suddenly you lose the whole plot and the whole meaning of everything and you just can't figure out why in this season where there's lights on houses and there's warm drinks and there's family around and there's friends and there's presents and there's all the stuff that we do. We just can't figure out why it is that there's this ache, this longing 
for things to be a little better. And in a lot of ways, for many of us, especially after the year that's been, we long for it to be a lot better. And that's what Charlie Brown was experiencing. That must have been what the person that wrote the story for Charlie Brown Christmas was experiencing in 1965. So if you think that the experience we're having is new, well, as the writer of Ecclesiastes says, there's nothing new under the sun. They're just new ways of experiencing the highs and lows of life. And that's a good thing for us. Because that same experience of feeling low, of feeling less than, was the experience of the shepherds to whom the good news was announced on the night of Jesus' birth. And maybe you haven't thought about the shepherds. Maybe you just hear Linus recite the story on the stage with the light hitting him. And you think, well, that's a nice story. But I hope this morning that as we read through the story of Jesus' birth and the announcement by the angels to the shepherds, that we'll capture anew that Jesus' arrival isn't just God's work. Because it is. But it's God's work to bring good news to you. No matter how many highs and lows you're experiencing, no matter how high or how low you feel, it is good news. Just like it was to the shepherds. So I invite you to follow along with me this morning as we're going to look through Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 20. And we'll spend most of our time in verses 8 through 20 but I'm going to read verses 1 through 7 to get us some background and some context, and I'm going to pause and talk about it, and then I'm going to read the other section and pause and talk about it. And and then we'll reflect on this wonderful news and go on our merry way this morning. So starting in verse 1 of Luke chapter 2, Luke writes, In those days, Caesar Augustus declared that everyone throughout the empire should be enrolled in the tax lists. This first enrollment occurred when Quirinius governed Syria. Everyone went to their own cities to be enrolled. Since Joseph belonged to David's house and family line, he went up from the city of Nazareth in Galilee to David's city called Bethlehem in Judea. He went to be enrolled together with Mary, who was promised to him in marriage and who was pregnant. While they were there, the time came for Mary to have her baby. She gave birth to her firstborn child, a son, wrapped him, in snug, wrapped him snugly, and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the guest room. I want to pause there and point out a couple of things. If you read chapter 1 of Luke, you'll find that Mary has been given a promise by the angel Gabriel that she will conceive and give birth to a son who will be called Jesus. And that she will conceive by the power of the Holy Spirit. And Mary is, is picked by God because of her humble state. She is welcoming to what God is desiring to do through her life in bringing about the Messiah 
In fact, it's interesting because Luke compares the announcement of John the Baptist's birth to the birth of Jesus. And when John the Baptist's father finds out that in his old age he's going to have a child, he disbelieves and his mouth is closed up and he can't talk. And yet Mary, when she finds out this good news from the angel, she welcomes God's work in her life. And so from the get-go, Luke focuses on the humble state of Mary and that humble state and that humility bringing about openness to the work of God. And so the time comes for the baby to be born and this census, these tax lists, as it says in this translation, is decreed and it causes people to have to go back to their hometown, the place where they come from. And it says that Joseph is in Nazareth, but he has to take Mary and uh, probably other family members and go to Bethlehem to be part of this census. And so they go to Bethlehem, and they end up back at home. Now, if you've watch any nativity-related movies or any Bible-based films, you probably see that Mary and Joseph are going door-to-door, pounding on homes, and no one will let them in. Oh, we don't have time for this. I'm, I told you last week if you were here, if you weren't, you're about to find out. I like ruining our preconceived notions of Christmas. It's just something fun I like to do. Um, it's weird to See, I know how to have fun. I don't care what the article says. Anyway, uh, but the thing is, they didn't go door to door. It's likely that they went to, to home, a home where they had relatives, relatives of Joseph. But the thing is, in this world, most homes were occupied by multiple generations of family members. And since the powers that be decided there was going to be a census, the home was probably full. And by the way, Mary was going to have a baby. And it's not exactly something you want to have doing when you've got like family members that shouldn't be seeing what's going on there in the room with you. So they had to find a place where Mary and, and probably midwives and Uh, other ladies that would help her in the process of giving birth could be able to go be private. And the way these homes were constructed is oftentimes they were built on rock. Sorry, I didn't bring back the picture, but these homes were built on rock, and oftentimes these cave dwellings where the animals would stay would be extra spaces where livestock would be that the family owned And that's likely what was used. And so the family were in the home, and Mary went into this cave-like area where the animals were. And that was the only place where they could find space, privacy, for her to be able to give birth. And that's what happened. So if your translation says there was no room at the inn, this translation here is a better one. There's no room in the guest room because there was no room in the home that they went to for the census to be taken. And so they went into this space, this lowly space for animals, 
where animals are kept. Not an ideal place. You know, if you go to a hospital nowadays, the spaceship thing comes down from the ceiling and all that. So they didn't have all that back then. Giving birth was not, well, it's never. Anyway, it was really not a good situation here. And to be in this space was not. So here's the deal. With Mary, you already find out about her humility. And now Jesus is going to be born in a humble space because of the lack of space. And the reason they have to be in this lack of space to have space is because the powers that be decided to force everybody back to their places of origin. And it's important that Luke does what he does by telling this story this way. See, oftentimes we, we look and, oh, okay, so the, the, this was the governor and this was the person that did this and that. And we, we try to make these historical reconstructions and figure out all the time. And, and that's all good. But there's more than just giving us facts here. Luke is setting us up to understand something big. Because Jesus was born at the time that the powers that be decided to wield their power in a way that made it not great for Joseph and Mary to go take Mary to have birth in a space without space. And yet the baby is born in this humble state. And that's when we get to verse 8. The announcement to the shepherds. And I want to read this here, and then I want to dwell on the shepherds for a moment, especially in contrast to what we just read. So follow with me at verse 8 through 20. It says, Nearby, shepherds were living in the fields, guarding their sheep at night. The Lord's angel stood before them, and the Lord's glory shone around them, and they were terrified. The angel said, don't be afraid. Look, I bring good news to you, wonderful, joyous news for all people. Your Savior is born today in David's city. He is Christ the Lord. This is a sign for you. You will find a newborn baby wrapped snugly and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great assembly of heavenly forces was with the angel praising God. They said, glory to God in heaven and on earth peace among those whom he favors. When the angels returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go right now to Bethlehem and see what's happened. Let's confirm that the Lord has revealed to us. They went quickly and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. When they saw this, they reported what they had been told about this child. Everyone who heard it was amazed at what the shepherds told them. Mary committed these things to memory and considered them carefully. The shepherds returned home, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. Everything happened just as they had been told. Shepherds. Have you ever thought about why shepherds? There's a debate amongst people that study the Bible academically, nerdy-like types. I'm one of them, so I can do that. 
There's a debate about whether or not shepherds were considered uh, in an exalted state or they were diminished. Uh, later Jewish writings about the 5th century kind of demean shepherds just as a job and as a people. And yet, when you read through the Old Testament, it's shepherds that are often handpicked by God. Specifically, one that you might, whose name you might have heard as we've been reading, David was a shepherd. But this is something about shepherds that wasn't debatable. They were lowly. They oftentimes couldn't make ends meet for their families. Their dwelling place wasn't even as good as a family like Joseph and Mary went to visit in Bethlehem, where there might be multiple generations. There might have not even been enough room for the shepherd's own family. And so not only did they oversee their own flocks, but they had to hire themselves out to other people just to make wages, just to put food on the table. So whether they were viewed with high regard or low regard is irrelevant because they were on the bottom rung of the social and economic ladder. They were the antithesis to Caesar Augustus and Quirinius. See, I told you Luke had a reason other than just giving us the facts. See, Jesus is born at the time of Caesar, Augustus, and Quirinius. But did the angels go and declare this good news to Caesar, Augustus, and Quirinius? No. The angels showed up in the night. In the night, by the way. The night was not a place to be out and about, but these shepherds were in such dire need that they had to do their work still at night. At night in the dark when not good things happen. At night when they were keeping watch over their flocks. The grueling work, the sleeplessness. And it's to those shepherds, not Caesar Augustus, not Quirinius, that the angel... We assume based off of his appearance already that it's Gabriel and then the heavenly hosts come with him to praise God in the aftermath. But Gabriel, the angel, delivers this good news to these shepherds. These lowly people. These people that would have been considered insignificant in the social hierarchy. They were the recipients of the good news. As it happened... Mary and Joseph are with family and they're in this animal dwelling and she's giving birth to Jesus and he's born and she wraps him up and the angels then show up to the shepherds and say, hey guys, guess what just happened? I've got good news. And you're the first to hear it. By the way, I don't know if you caught, the angels didn't even go to the family of Mary and Joseph where they're staying. They went to the shepherds because it's the shepherds that end up going and telling them the story about the angels. And when they go, the reason they go is because they are so excited. They've heard this good news. By the way, they're not even told the name of Jesus yet. 
And there's a very specific reason. Because when you read Matthew and then you even read this story, it's, it's supposed to be Joseph whom God t- tells to give Jesus the name Jesus. So you don't want to tell the shepherds the name yet because they've got to give him the name and then go have him circumcised, which if you read some verses after, they go and do that on the eighth day. They're just told that their Savior is born, which is wonderful news because those powers that be that are running the show in this world are making life miserable for their people, especially for people like shepherds who can't even get ahead, can't even figure out how to get ahead to make sure their next meal is before them. And yet the Messiah has come into the world, and they're the first to hear about it. And so they say, well, we've got to go verify this. So they run. They run. And the assumption here is that the shepherds who are living in the fields were told nearby, nearby, so in Bethlehem, out in the fields, they go run. And they find the family. It says they quickly found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. And when they saw this, they reported what they had been told about this child. And everyone who heard it was amazed at what the shepherds told them. Now, who's everyone? Well, because contrary to our typical Christmas stories, everyone is everyone in the family at the house where Mary and Joseph are at. They're going to be told. We don't even know if everybody, especially on Joseph's side of the family, knows the news that Mary and Joseph know about the significance of Jesus. And they're amazed by what the shepherds say. And Mary herself, she treasures this in her heart. And after they deliver this news, the shepherds return home, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. Everything happened just as they had been told. Shepherds are insignificant in this world, regardless of what people thought about their profession Regardless of what God has done through shepherds in the past, they are left to fend for themselves in grueling work. And they are probably made to feel low and insignificant. They probably miss out on a lot. They are in a hard world where the people that are supposed to be looking out for people are making it harder. And even Mary and Joseph... Mary and her humble state are in a hard world. And the people, the powers that be above them are making it harder to live in a hard world. And they're forced to bring Jesus into this hard world because of the powers that be dictating the way things have to go. And they're forced to comply. It turns out that even though life was in many ways different back then, a lot hasn't changed. We live in a world where the powers that be, the people that have, the people that are high up on the social and economic ladder continue to dictate the way things ought to be. 
And we're constantly left feeling like we've got to run the rat race to feel any ounce of significance. We're constantly measuring up to what somebody else has, to what somebody else is, to what somebody else says they're going to be. And when we don't measure up, we feel low. We feel less than. And that's not even factoring in to all the hardships that we face day to day, month to month, week to week, year to year. And then we get to a season like Christmas. A season where we're supposed to embrace the good news that Jesus has been born. And much like Charlie Brown, we just can't figure out why we're not feeling the season. And many people try with all sorts of things to lift their spirits. Maybe you threw a few extra lights on the house. In our case, we threw a few extra lights on a bush outside of our house because I don't like to climb ladders that much. Maybe you indulged a little extra in hot chocolate this year. My son can't lay off the hot chocolate, although he's been doing better with it. Maybe you long to be around people in your life. They're either near or far. Maybe you long to be around people that you can't be. But you see other people able to have that time. Maybe you face different challenges in life, at work or in social settings, where you felt like a failure, felt like you couldn't live up. Maybe like all of us, you watch screens where other people have it good and you wonder why you don't. In a way, we all end up like Charlie Brown. But really, Charlie Brown and I'm going to lump Linus in aren't really like Charlie Brown and Linus. In a way, they're just like these shepherds trying to eke out a living. The last people you think good news would come to. And yet a baby was born. A baby was born to humble and righteous mother and earthly father, but anyway won't get into that right now, but it's God's son. So anyway, a, a righteous and humble family in a humble place, and it's good news. And here's why. Because all of the people and the powers that be and the people that look like they've got it together and dictate how having it together is supposed to look that makes you feel low and insignificant and like your life doesn't matter they're not king. They're not Lord. They're not Messiah. The president isn't the Messiah. Your favorite athlete or actor or actress are not the Messiah. The CEO that works for the company or runs the company that you work for is not the Messiah. 
Heck, even the people in your life that you know that you look up to are not the Messiah. And they can't give you significance, and they can't tell you what gives you significance. But this baby that was born on this night in Bethlehem can and does. There is only one Lord and Messiah. And to quote the Lord of the Rings in a more positive light than this quote comes from, he doesn't share power. But he doesn't wield it improperly either. And here's my favorite part about the Charlie Brown thing, and this is where I want to land, thinking about the shepherds. Can we put the picture of the tree back up? And I'm sorry I didn't get a picture of the made-up one afterward, but you can use your imagination or just go watch the episode later today for fun. That tree, it looks insignificant. In fact, when Linus wraps his blanket around it like a tree skirt, the, the uh, needles of the tree start to fall off. Do you remember that on the show? That's how low this tree is. And yet, I don't know, some sort of lighting and ornament miracle happens. But all of a sudden, when Charlie Brown puts the ornamentation on this tree, it looks like a wonderful tree. Here's the beauty of the good news of Jesus. No matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter what state you're in, no matter what people think of you or say that you are, no matter how low you feel or how low you're made to feel, even if you feel like this tree that can't even keep the needles on it, what Jesus has come to do to redeem and restore you dresses you up in righteousness so that you become salt of the earth and light of the world. Your insignificance is turned to significance. Your lowly state is exalted because He is exalted King. The Christmas story is good news because all of the bad news of life that makes us feel less than is overcome by a God who loves each and every one of us. And that's why I think, in my humble opinion, the angels were sent by God to declare it to lowly shepherds. Because the people that are made to feel insignificant actually matter to God. And so do you. That's why, as Nick read this morning in John 3, 16, God so loved the world that he sent his one and only begotten son. Because you and I matter to him. And so I leave you with this. If you're like Charlie Brown and you just can't get into the Christmas spirit, maybe do what Linus did. Read the story. All the other things that you think matter, that will make you matter, that will make it all better, 
They won't. But he will. Maybe not now. Maybe not tomorrow. It may not feel like it in the moment. We're not promised that the coming of Jesus is like a magic wand. You know, the shepherds after, I don't know if you read at the end of the story, do you know where they go back to? Home. And they're going to go back to work the next day. And they might have a bad day at work. And they might feel less than. But they now know that no matter what it's like in the day-to-day, that they matter to God. And what God says wins in the end. He won the moment Jesus ended up in that little animal dwelling. Actually, he won from the moment he created it all. And that is why Christmas matters. Charlie Brown. Please pray with me. Dear Lord God, we thank you for being able to read the pages of your word to reflect on this story that maybe we tell each year. Maybe we read it in our own devotional time. Maybe we look forward to hearing about it in church. But we thank you for this story that isn't just a story, but it's the story that is most significant to our lives. It is the story of the most significant moment in history, and it's the story that gives us significance. And God, I just thank you for this story that we can be reoriented and redirected to the good news of the coming of your son, Jesus. That no matter where we are, no matter how we're feeling, no matter how, how high or low this season is, that we know that you have sent your son and that it is good news. And I pray, God, that for each and every person in this room today, that you will help us to cling to this good news and lean into it even when everything else around us is making us just not feel into it. We pray these things in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Hopefully when you came in today, you grabbed the communion packet. Uh, We take communion each and every week because we remember that God sent his one and only son into the world. Not only that he sent his uh, son into this lowly, humble state, but that his son was exalted on a humiliated state, on a cross. But then on the third day, the Father raised the Son from the dead by the power of the Spirit. And then we have life to the full because of Him. And so I'm going to give us a moment to pause and to reflect on that reality. And after that moment of reflection, we'll take communion together as one church family. Thank you.
I invite each of you to take the bread from this cup and eat. This is his body which is given for us. In the same way, I invite you to take and drink from this cup. This is his blood which is poured out for us. Please pray with me. Lord God, we thank you for your son Jesus. We thank you for good news. And we thank you that you are King of kings and Lord of lords. Let that be our light in this season. In your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen.